You know, we're, we're talking right now about growing spiritually, and we've been doing this wonderful series called The Table. And it has been great. It's been fantastic. And I'm going to sit at the table. I mean, it's a little table. But can I just say that this series has been really good for us. It started with Pastor Ralph just so clearly laying out for us how we can take away every hindrance from those who are new, those who are children spiritually, and make it easy for them to come into the kingdom of God. And, and I, I loved it because even, even then he was talking about being a father, right? I, I, just felt, I felt like it was a great thing. And then we saw, saw Pastor Tim uh, last week challenging us uh, to, 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 to look at where we are in our growth spiritually and, and how that, that part of being a spiritual young adult has to do with learning to differentiate God's voice from all the other voices around you. It has to do with having the courage to step up and take the next step that you need to take in what you're doing. And uh, today, I, I get to continue what we've been talking about. And if you haven't been here, and, or this is your first time, man, welcome if it's your first time. We are so excited that you're here with us, and we uh, just value your presence and the time that you took to be with us. This series is about discipleship, and discipleship is just a fancy Christian word. Um, used to describe the process of becoming a disciple, which is also a fancy Christian word. Um, and uh, the simplest definition that I can give you of a disciple is this. A disciple is a wholehearted Jesus follower. And uh, it, it's, it, that's the basics. It, it's not as complicated as sometimes people like to make it. But Jesus went a little bit deeper, a little bit further on this when he, he said in John 8, 31, if you abide in my word, you are truly my disciples. And the key to becoming a disciple is learning to abide. The word abide here in the Greek literally means this, to not depart from to not leave, to continue to be present with, to be rooted alongside, to be knit together, to be as one with. And one of the places where we see this illustrated uh, quite well is in a story that John tells us of Jesus' encounter with two men who would later become his disciples. I'll read it to you here from John chapter 1. It says, the next day John the Baptist and there were lots of Johns in there. This is not the John who wrote it. This is John the Baptist. Um, he was standing with two of his followers. And John looked at Jesus as he walked by and said, Behold, the Lamb of God. And the two disciples heard him say this, and they followed Jesus. Jesus turned and saw them following and said to them, What are you seeking? And they said to him, Rabbi, which means teacher, where do you abide? And he said to them, Come. And you will see. And so they came and saw where he dwelt, and they abode, they remained with him. And I want to just start off by saying that being a disciple is more than just following Jesus. It is actually involves asking the question, where do you abide of Jesus? You see, there's a difference between just following Jesus and being a wholehearted follower. And the difference is this question. Because this question is suggesting that abiding is not an accident. 
It's not something that just happens. It is a resolution. It's a choice. It's a response to the call to come onward and upwards. And abiding is actually choosing to put yourself in the place where you're most likely to encounter God. Abiding is placing yourself where you're most likely to stay connected with God. And these men chose to be with Jesus, to walk with him, to live with him, to remain in proximity with him. And when we choose to abide, it draws us on our spiritual journey. In John chapter 1, verses 12 through 14, John lays out for us the stages that we actually go through in our journey spiritually. And he he writes this, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. I'm writing to you, fathers and mothers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I'm writing to you, young warriors, because you have overcome the evil one. I write to you, children, because you know the Father. I've written to you, fathers and mothers, because you know him who is from the beginning. I have written to you, young men, because you are strong and the word of God abides in you and you have overcome the evil one. And this scripture, along with the metaphor of the table, is what we use as kind of a pattern to help us navigate our spiritual growth as Jesus followers. Don't you hate it when somebody on the platform takes a drink? I'm just saying. And, and you're sitting there thinking, how come he gets to drink and we're, we're here thirsty? Um, so if you've got your coffee, please feel free to drink. Um, but I, lo- I love this metaphor we've got of the table because a table is a place of community. It's a place that we come up to. And, and one of the things that when, when we look at this whole diagram that we forget is there's a place where there's nothing, where the table isn't there. In fact, there are people out there who cannot even see the table. And there's a reason for that. Maybe that they grew up with no awareness of God, Jesus, or the gospel. They were growing up as maybe a family that were in what they call the nuns right now. That's not uh, ladies with long habits and things. That's, that's N-O-N-E-S, those people who have no kind of spiritual belief. Maybe they grew up in another world religion like Hinduism or Buddhism. Maybe they grew up as atheists, but they have no experience with God, the church, or Christians. And then there are others out there who are aware of God, but they're not receptive to, to, to the gospel at all. And, and, you know, I found it's one of two problems. The first one is that they haven't met a Christian, right? And the second one is that they have met a Christian, right? And, and one of those two things can, can actually uh, ca- cause a problem. But there comes a time in our life and our growth where we will encounter Jesus. And we move from that void into the chair that you see at the bottom of the screen here that's just off from the table. And this this happens when, uh, when we, we come in here uh, to, to because... Because we're open to the message or we're open to the messenger. And more likely it's open to the messenger that we're here because we come with somebody that we know, somebody that that, that cares for us, somebody that we've forged a relationship with. And they, they haven't decided to follow Jesus yet, but they're, they're still sitting watching the table. And as they're there, um, they can make a decision that can change their life forever. 
And that's the decision to accept Jesus. And when you decide to start following him and you believe that he died for your sins and that God raised him from the dead so that you could have new life, you move to the chair that's right up at the bottom of the table. You come right up to the table. Now, it's really interesting that both Jesus and Peter refer to this experience as being born from above or born from heaven. And there are several Greek words that are actually used to describe children. And in 1 John 2, chapter, or verse 12, the word that's used for little children is a very specific word. It is the Greek word technia, um, and it means a child who is born into the family, a child who is genetically related to the father. Can I tell you, when we come to Jesus, we are literally born anew into God's family. We're not outsiders anymore. This is our family. Isn't that great? But the natural thing that babies do, I don't know about you, but all my babies did this. They started to grow, right? And they become small children. And they start to move to this seat we see on the left-hand side of the table here. Um, This is the little children's chair. And it's really interesting that John uses a totally different word to describe children when he uses children in this, this, this verse. He says, in fact, the word he uses is the same word that we get pediatrics from. And it means a child is being trained how to live, learning what is good and what is bad, learning what they should do and what they shouldn't do, learning what is safe and what is dangerous. And this word actually comes from a root word that means a servant. And just like a servant, they rely on other people to tell them what they need to do. And they depend on those around them for their needs. And there's another word even in Greek that describes this stage, which literally means one with no voice. In other words, they're not old enough to make decisions or speak for themselves yet because they're still learning. Now, you can stay in this chair, but can I tell you, if you stay there, eventually you're gonna get bored. You're you're gonna get bored and either you're gonna go, man, this is so boring. And some people even take that boredom and they they lean into criticism. They start start, start criticizing things and and start start poking at things because they're bored. If if you've ever seen a child that gets bored, guess what starts happening? They start picking things apart, right? It's just just something natural that they do. But we start to get tired of being a child and we find ourselves starting to think differently. We begin to ask ourselves questions like, is there more than just this? Or what's next for me? Or do I have a mission in my life that goes beyond just sitting in this chair? And then we look around and notice that the world is just so much bigger than ourselves. And we realize that if we are going to find our purpose, we need to grow. And can I tell you, that's a signal that you are starting to move into the young warrior's chair at the top there. And uh, that's literally what, uh, what, what John says. And I love that term rather than just saying young adults because it is one of the most exciting times of your spiritual life because this is where we learn to overcome the evil one. And we learn to fight our own battles instead of having pastors or other leaders come and fight our battles for us. It's like moving from the stage when you are at school and your big brother comes and beats up the bullies for you where you're big enough to take on the bullies yourself right? That, that, that's what starts to happen here. You start to discover the tools and the weapons that you need to fight for yourself. You learn to fight alongside other people in teams, other warriors like yourself. 
And as you abide in Jesus, and as you abide in the word of God, the word of God begins to abide in you and something happens. You become strong in your faith. You start to understand what it is you believe. You are discovering why you believe what you believe and you feel like you're finally finding your spiritual footing. And soon, either intentionally or unintentionally, you begin mentoring others. You, you find that you're, you're standing up for those um, who are being attacked by the enemy and you're helping them fight. You're starting to help people strengthen themselves and you're beginning to move into the father chair. And I want you to know that when I'm talking about this, I'm talking about mothers and fathers on equal footing here. Every time I say father, I mean mothers because we need spiritual moms as well as spiritual dads. And I still have my mom here with me. And man, I value all the input that she's given me over my life. Um, and uh, and I, I, I want, want you guys to know that even though I'm using fathers, you guys take hold on to this if you're a mom as well, spiritually, and run with it. Because I want you to run with it. Because in my opinion, the, this chair, the father-mother chair, is the most important chair that we have around the table. For one of the things that I've discovered, if we don't have someone sitting in this chair, everything falls apart. Okay, think about it. Have you ever been to a child's birthday party? You're the last person in the room and there's no napkins, so you just pop out for 30 seconds to grab the napkins. It's amazing how quickly that room descends into chaos. Right? There are people squabbling and screaming. There's probably a couple of boys rolling on the floor. There's cake and hot dogs flying all over the place. Because there's not somebody in that chair in the room. And if we ignore them and we just leave kids to fend for themselves, they eventually go hungry, they don't get taken care of, and they're in danger. Or can you imagine this? If we leave a bunch of young warriors all at the campsite to take care of the campsite and watch the campsite. Okay, guys, we're going to leave you there. Oh, 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 we can do this. But, you know, after a little while they get bored and someone says, you know, we should go hunting white wild boar. I hear they're here. Shall we go? Oh, yes. Go, 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 go. All of a sudden the campsite's abandoned. Or maybe there's a fair maiden that needs, needs help in distress. And they're off running this way, that way. They're getting distracted by this, getting distracted by that because there's so many exciting things going on. But when there's a father there, a father brings peace. A father makes sure everyone is fed, taken care of, and protected. A father makes sure that no one is abandoned or left behind. A father makes sure we stay on track. And a father is an anchor. In fact, Paul lists fathers as the very foundation of the church. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 19 through 20, he says this, So we are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens with the saints and the members of God's household, built on the firm foundation of apostles and of prophets. Now, you may not understand those words, apostles and prophets, but let me just explain them to you. An apostle is a father 
who is a builder. They keep us on mission. They are strategic in helping us to push into new frontiers. They build faith in us to step out and take hold of our future. Prophets are fathers um, who share God's possibilities with us. They give us a vision of who we can be in God. They paint a picture of God's purpose for us as a church and for us as individuals. And if we are going to make disciples like Jesus commanded us to, we need to have people in the Father chair. Now, one of the things that I've noticed as I've been pondering this and thinking about this is there are some key questions that address the concerns of people at every stage in this spiritual journey. So if we've got the first chair, the person who is, is just coming here, um, they, they, they have, uh, they've come because their friend bought them. They have no idea about this Jesus stuff. The question that they're actually asking is, am I safe? Is this a place of safety here? And can I tell you, churches can be very weird places, right? They can be pretty strange. There's, there's a whole different culture when you go into some, some churches. In fact, even though I've been to church all my life, going to a new church can always be a bit intimidating, right? And can you think about what it's like when it's your first time ever coming to church? And one of the things I love about Parallel is we've, just like Pastor Ralph encouraged us, tried to take away every hindrance that would make it difficult for people to feel safe. We want them to feel safe. We want them to feel welcome. But they are here on purpose for a purpose. When we move to the new believer chair, the question changes though, because we now know we're safe. The question is, do I belong? And John addresses that for us right away in 1 John 2. He says, I'm writing to you, little children, because your sins are forgiven for his name's sake. If you've put your faith in Jesus... You're in. You are part of the family. You belong. You have a place at the table. And that, that, that is the one thing that you need to know going into this. But as, as you grow into the little child chair, your question changes as well. Because you start to understand things a little bit more. And you're asking, how can you help me? You're still learning the ropes. You're trying to figure out how to navigate this new world that you found yourself in. And you don't know how to clean up your messes. And you're wondering how you're going to grow spiritually. And again, John gives us the key to working through this part of our spiritual growth. He says, I write to you children because you know the Father. And can I tell you that learning to know the Father and know, learning to know a Father is the key to growth at this stage. Because as a little child, you need someone to teach you how to walk, how to talk, how to feed yourself, how to keep yourself out of trouble and not get into messes, and also teach you how to clean up after yourself when you've made a mess. Can I tell you, there's a lot of churches out there that want to keep their congregation at this child level. Because fathering a young warrior can be difficult. Their main question is this, how do I prove myself and how do I prove the world? And this means that you're, as a father, always going to be challenged by a young adult or a young warrior. They have questions. They, they, have, they have comments. They're trying to figure out how the Bible all fits together. And, you know, I spent most of my life hanging out with young men and young women and training them and working with them as they grow. And can I tell you, I love it. 
It's one of those things I really enjoy doing. And I love to wrestle through some of those difficult questions. I like to hammer out with some of these young warriors some of the things that I don't even know the answers to. But I say, let's find this out together because we're going to do this together. And the only caveat I have is if you really want to know this. You're not just doing it just as a, as, as a, a little thing on the side. And sometimes the challenge actually pushes me deeper and further. It's part of the joy of being a father. My son, Sean, who is now 17 last year, I decided that I would go for a run with him. And uh, it was uh, uh, pretty exciting because I hadn't run with him since middle school. And I discovered something. He can run faster than me. And it was a challenge. I had to dig in. I had to push harder. And running with him made me better. And can I tell you, as as spiritual fathers, we need to not be afraid of these young warriors. We need to start to run alongside them and run with them because they're going to make us better. It takes a special grace to be a father. And that's why Paul wrote this. He says, you have 10,000 teachers, but not many fathers. And that always confused me because my dad was a great teacher. And part of being a father is being a great teacher. And then I realized that the word for teacher is not what we think of as teachers. In fact, the Greek word here is pedagogo, and it sounds more like a bicycle to me than it does a, a teacher, but it describes somebody who trains little children to mind their manners, instructing them in what is right and wrong, teaching them the rules. In other words, Mary Poppins. Can I tell you, it's a lot easier to be a Mary Poppins pastor than a father. Because all you have to do is make sure that everyone follows the rules and no one questions you. Make sure that everyone has a spoonful of sugar to help the medicine go down. Um, And they realize that they're so distracted that they never come to the understanding that they're Peter Pan Christians who never grow up. If we want our children to become warriors, both naturally and spiritually, they need a father who has a vision for them to become all they were meant to be. If we want our young warriors to become fathers, they need to walk with a father. And one of the things that I discovered is becoming a father is not like going to university and getting your DAD degree. In order to be a father, you need to have a father. You have to be a father living in proximity to a father to be able to understand what that means. And learning to be a father is walking with someone, making a decision to abide with them, choosing to be present with them, being rooted in with them, to be knit together with them, to pursue relationship with them. And this is the pattern we find throughout the whole Bible. We see Joshua walking with Moses. We see Elisha walking with Elijah. We see the 12 walking with Jesus. We see Timothy walking with Paul. And all these people learned to be a father themselves because they chose to abide in a place where they're most likely to encounter God and most likely to stay connected with him. In 2 Kings chapter 2, we have this account of Elisha. It says, when the Lord was about to take Elijah to heaven in a whirlwind, Elijah and Elisha... Now, those ones are really hard to get confused, I'll tell you. Um, uh, We're traveling from Gilgal. And Elijah said to Elisha, stay here, for the Lord has told me to go to Bethel. 
And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you yourself live, I will never leave you. So they went to Bethel. When they got to Bethel, Elijah says to Elisha, stay here for the Lord has told me to go to Jericho. And Elisha replied, as surely as the Lord lives and you live, I will never leave you. This happened a couple more times until God took him up in a whirlwind. And what were the words that tore themselves out of Elisha's chest as he sees Elijah disappear? It was, my father, my father. And from that moment on, Elijah, Elisha, sorry, was no longer the servant of Elijah, but was called father by kings and princes. And he had discovered today's takeaway, that to become a father, you need to walk with a father who has learned to abide with the father. You know, I had an amazing dad. And he taught me to be a father by bringing me alongside. I remember even at three, four years old, my dad having me stand alongside him while he had, this was in England, and on our driveway he had a table with Christian books on it that he sold and talked to people about Jesus. When I was uh, in the 60s and 70s, my dad, I was with him, pulled me right beside him as he prayed for thousands of young people being saved in the Jesus revolution. I was able to sit in the corner of the living room while he talked with men and women who were at the forefront of moves of God that happened in the early and mid 20th century. And some of them were names that people would know. Most of them were people who were doing great things for God in obscurity. I had the privilege of walking with my father in ministry for three decades. When I was eight, I actually even told him that I'd be with him when he stepped off this planet. And 42 years later, I was there when he went to be with Jesus. But what I learned from him was to bring others alongside for the whole journey, to invite them to abide to come along with me, to walk with me, to be with me. I learned that it doesn't matter where you sit at the table. You can grow the heart of a father because the key question of a father is this, how can I come alongside you? And how can they ask that question? It's because the fathers know him who is from the beginning. They have seen the father come alongside them. They have learned to abide with him. And when it comes to our spiritual growth, can I encourage you, don't just look forward, but look behind as well. Don't just ask who is coming alongside me, but ask who can I come alongside? And today I want to finish up with an invitation. I'd love for you just to close your eyes and just listen. The table, four stout legs uphold creaking board, weighed down with not mere meat nor sparkling drink, but lies poured out and forged in flame as one. Bread breaks as walls that disconnect dissolve. Shared sorrows, broken hearts, entwine in hope, a soul's true liberty in laughter sounds. Then quiet falls, a moment shared, a hush that fills the room. The seated know the place they found, their space, their hope, their peace, their home. Doors open wide, a place is set, so come. Break bread around the table 
true life flows. Four stout legs uphold the creaking board, the table. Let's pray. Father, we thank you that you invite us to the table. And you don't just tell us to be fathers. You don't just tell us to grow, but you demonstrate for us. You walk alongside us. And Lord, I just want to thank you right now for bringing fathers alongside us, mothers alongside us, people who are going to walk with us, people with whom we can learn to abide as they abide with you. And Lord, I just pray for each one of us that we would catch the heart of a father. Lord, that we would catch the heart of one who says, can I come alongside you? Lord, I just pray that not only would they be grown by somebody, but they would be growing someone. Lord, I just pray that you would help us to see a house full of fathers and mothers that is growing in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, you may not have even made a decision to follow Jesus yet. Can I just say that's okay? We're really glad you're here. You're in the right place. But maybe there was something in your heart this morning that said, man, it's time for me to come to the table and take my seat, to leave that seat that's off to the side. And, and if that's you, it's not that difficult. It's really quite simple. In fact, Paul says this, if you confess with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, that you will be saved. And it's when we stop trusting on our own efforts and rely on what Jesus has done, something changes and we come to the table. And I'm going to lead you in a prayer right now that we're all going to say together. So I'll get you to close your eyes and repeat after me. Jesus, I've tried doing things my way and it hasn't worked. I need you to save me. Right now I declare, Jesus, you are my Lord. I believe that God raised you from the dead so that I could have new life. My past is past. Thank you for welcoming me into your family. I want you to keep your eyes closed for just a minute. And if you prayed that prayer for the very first time, we'd love to know so that we can help you along with your spiritual journey. And just, I'd like to just pray for you and know that you're there. And so if you've made that decision for the first time, just kind of wave to me and just say, Pastor Jeremy, I made that decision today to follow Jesus. And if you're too scared to pick up or to put up your hand, you can write it down on one of those cards in front of you or scan the QR code and write it down. We'd love to get you a Bible um, so that you can start this journey that is the most amazing thing that you'll experience in your life. Amen.